so glad that you are joining us at Dothan Christian Fellowship, all of you in person, as well as those of you who are watching online. We're so glad that you're with us today. And um, our, if, those, if there are those of you who are watching with us for the first time today, we'd like to let you know a little bit about what to expect. We're going to have a time of worship, and then we're going to have a message that's going to be kicking off a little bit with our holiday season. And so... We just want to open up in prayer today, and you can join us from wherever you are, whether it be if you're at home or you're in your office at work or possibly, um, you know, even later in the week. We just want to say welcome, and we are so thankful and grateful for each one of you. So, Father, we come in the name of Jesus, and Lord, we just thank you, God, that in the midst of this season, Lord, we get to just declare that over 2,000 years ago, you stepped into eternity, Jesus. You stepped into our timeline and you redeemed us from every curse of the enemy. And so, Lord, we just thank you that this morning we get to lean into you and lean into your presence. And God, I thank you that your word says that where two or more are gathered, Lord, that you are in the midst of us, that you are with us. God, thank you for the declaration that you called yourself Emmanuel, God with us. So today we celebrate, Lord, we celebrate this season of Jesus being born and being the greatest gift to humanity because he restored us to the heart of a good father. And so, Lord, we just proclaim our love for you this morning and we exalt Jesus above every other name. We worship you this morning. Amen. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, until from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. And praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation jesus for our sake you died Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. 
And the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, and souls of all who come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel and truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings, praise. Praise the Father, praise Praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Praise forever to the King of kings. Praise forever to the King. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you, and holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me worthy of every song we could ever sing 
Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. build my life and I will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you oh Lord and I will not be shaken done beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart lead me in your love to those around me and holy there is no one like you there is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank
every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Live for you. Jesus. Jesus, a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Um, I was thinking about um, just in this song of how this year has kind of redefined a lot of different scenarios for all of us, really, for the world globally. But um, what I do realize, and I want to encourage us with this morning as we sing this song again, is that even in the midst of life circumstances, our life has been built on a firm foundation of His love that has not changed in the middle of what we've experienced this year. So in the redefining of what has happened in 2020, it has not redefined who Jesus is or who he is for us in the midst of what we've walked through. And so this morning, I want us to lean into that he is worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. He is worthy of every song we can ever sing. And he is the firm foundation that we stand upon in the middle of crisis. I love how the Bible puts it. It says that we can live amongst momentary afflictions because they are momentary. They are just, I'm not saying that they're not real and they don't mean something and they don't kind of like hit us hard sometimes. That's real. That's the facts. But the truth of who he is for us has not changed. And his love for you and I is that, that is a firm foundation that will lead us through anything that we walk through in this life. And so I just want us to really focus and lean in this morning into He is a firm foundation for you and I, and He has not changed. And so as we are kind of going and we're in the holiday season, it, it feels different, it looks different, but I just want to encourage us again that His love for you and I has not changed. It has not been redefined by the craziness of what's happening in the world today. And so will you open up your heart and just grab hold of this and let it become something that is firmly planted in you, in your innermost being of like his love for me, regardless of the situations and circumstances, is a firm foundation that my life has been built on. That is a firm foundation that has been built in my life for over 30 years. And the circumstances and the hard things and the challenges and the trials, they have come and gone, but His love and His foundation has remained. It has not changed or shifted. So I just want to encourage us this morning to really just open up and take a stand in, in this song of His love being firm and you being planted firmly in His love. Amen.
worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe live for you Jesus Jesus a name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, live for you, live for you. Sleep in heavenly peace. 
sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing hallelujah. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night. Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face. With the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Oh, Jesus, Lord. Silent night, holy night, wondrous star, lend thy light. With the angels, let us sing hallelujah to our King. Christ the Savior is born. Oh, Christ. The Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. God, that we stand in awe and wonder that your love was so great. Your love was so great for us, Lord. You withheld nothing for us. You withheld nothing to rescue us. You didn't hold anything back, but you pursued us with an everlasting love. And so, God, we just honor this morning. We honor you and we worship you. And we're so thankful, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the heralding that went forth on that day, Lord, that you were born, and God, all the signs that prepared the way for you. So, Lord, we just celebrate Jesus. We celebrate you today, Lord. 
Thanks to our worship team. We're so thankful for you guys. Um, I love whenever we get to worship together, whether it be here or whether it be in your home and you're enjoying and kind of really just really just celebrating and being in the presence of the Lord. So we're grateful for that. I'm just going to um, read us some scriptures here in just a second um, as Dave's getting ready to come. But um, I wanted to just let you know, we're so grateful. We've had several families that we've been able to help through the holiday season already. And um, so just your generous giving continues that to happen. So we're very, very grateful and thankful for that. Um, there's multiple ways to give. Um, you can go to our website and you can give online. You can also give through your banking or you can mail a check. And so um, because of the generosity that you bring um, or that you give allows us to help those that are in need, um, especially during this holiday season where throughout the year um, families have been hit kind of hard, whether they've lost jobs um, or whether they're um, just in transition of things, so many things happening and changing for them. So we just appreciate that for everyone. So I'm going to read um, a scripture for us. And um, I know for me, I always love reading in the Gospels and the accounts of Jesus being born at this time of year. And so... Um, I'm going to just read this in Luke chapter 2, just real quick, that shepherds were in the fields and they were watching over their sheep, and there was an angelic encounter that came to them, and so I just want to read this. It says, that night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find him, a baby, wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And so we have this beautiful picture of our Jesus coming and being born in humility, but reigns as the king of all the world. And so, but I love how it says that he came and he was going to rescue everyone, everywhere. He was the good news. So um, this morning as we get ready, Pastor Dave's going to come and he's going to share um, a part of the message for coming into the holiday season. So um, thank you. How's, how are all of you doing? <laughs> Good morning to everybody online. I know there's some people who are watching, so we're very thankful for that. Uh, I want to jump off this Christmas season with a series called Tis the Season. And uh, I posted something on Facebook this morning that says, tis the season for dot, dot, dot. And so this morning I want to say, uh, tis the season for joy. So these are things that we've heard a million times. Hopefully this will be in a way that um, can help bring some uh, clarity to joy and what that is. And so um, I want to start with, first of all, uh, some 2020 memes as we kind of get ready to close out the year. Thank God. <laughs> um, the first one was uh, being prepared, me being prepared for 2020 and then... Uh, 
2020. Yeah, there you go, right now. <laughs> the second one is if 2020 was an Airbnb, uh, I would give it one star and not recommend it to anybody. And then thirdly, if 2020 was a bag of chips, be Lay's orange juice and toothpaste. I don't think that's actually a, to, uh, a potato chip, but if, if it isn't, it should definitely be something they start in 2020. So at first glance, it seems like uh, 2020 doesn't or hasn't given us a whole lot of reason for joy. Um, I know there's been a lot of challenges, obviously, with COVID and everything that's happened. No need to reiterate all that. Um, but it's interesting, about two years ago, I was diagnosed with um, <clears throat> pancreatitis, acute pancreatitis, and it's the sickest I've ever been. It was really, really bad. Um, I spent, I think it was eight days in the ICU. This was in Denver, a month in the hospital overall, a thousand trips to UAB, you know, back and forth. They had to, uh, you know, pierce my side to drain some stuff out of the inner parts or whatever. And so uh, that was an experiment that uh, UAB said, hey, we've never done a tube this size. We'd like to try that on you. I was like, oh, yeah, Joy, that's awesome. So Turns out that you probably want, don't want to, if you ever get a tube, don't get like a garden hose like I did. It's <laughs> a little bit too big. Keep it small. So, you know, I thought that was bad. I'm like, there will never be anything that tops that, just how bad it was. And then 2020 was like, that's not a knife. This is a knife, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> there's this sense of like 2020 seems to have topped it all, you know, and there's this tremendous fear as we go into, into 2021. It's like, you know, was, was 2020 just the preview, the trailer for what's coming, you know, and there's all the jokes about uh, as we kind of move towards the, the future, you know, and, and uh, someone visits, you know, visits us right now from way in the future, and they said, hey, um, you know, how'd you like your first year of, of torment? We're like, wait, first year? <laughs> so there's, it literally is, I mean, there are people trying to be funny, but it's just been really, really bad, and so it's a tough way to find joy in a scenario like that, but 2,000 years ago, joy was born. That's an interesting concept, right? It wasn't that joy came or you could have joy. We're going to talk about those things. But that literally joy was born into the world, and it changed everything. And so we want to talk about that, of course. The other things I want to talk about this morning is what God has to say about joy. Because I think sometimes we forget um, what, that God has a lot to say about that word joy. And then secondly, that there's a difference between joy and happiness. And we probably know that. It's not like probably I'm giving you anything new. But clarifying it will really help you recognize the difference and not mistake one for the other. Because that's, that's a dangerous thing to do. And then lastly, what do you do if you feel like your joy has been stolen? Anybody feel like their joy has been stolen in 2020? I know I have several times. D- different things have happened. <clears throat> so what does the Bible say about joy? The first thing is really interesting. The Bible calls joy a fruit of the Spirit. So that's an interesting thing because... Um, Fruit is something that grows, right? It has a source and it grows. And so that's a really important concept. Galatians 5, we know this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. In other words, you know, the law came and told you everything that you were doing wrong. And the fruit of the Spirit comes along, and one of them being joy, saying that nothing that the law has ever said can take your joy away, if you really understand what joy is. And that's kind of the important thing. It's interesting in this scripture, um, the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit is capitalized. In other words, it doesn't come from your spirit. So joy doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from just, oh, I'm, I'm going to work it up, right? I'm going to get joy. I'm going I'm to be joyful. That's awesome. But probably what you're actually doing is trying to be happy, right? Remember the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy? <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's a common refrain in the world about being happy, but they call it joy because a lot of times we don't know the difference. 
But the challenge is, it, it, it doesn't come from us, and because of that, there are qualities that are describing something that the Holy Spirit brings. And so if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you're not walking in step, we're going to get to that in a second, with the Holy Spirit, then the tendency is that you're going to try to make, uh, try to have joy when actually what you're really having is happiness. And they're not the same thing. So if you want to have joy in your life, one of the first things you have to do is to stop doing the things that grieve God's spirit. So in other words, it's like, okay, I've become a Christian now. I understand grace. God is always, you know, God has always brought favor on my life. I don't have to worry about God rejecting me, so grace is a beautiful thing. And so if we're not careful, then what we do is we say, well, then it doesn't matter how I live. And we know that's true. I've taught a whole series on the fact that, you know, you live from the place of salvation, from the place of God's favor, not to it. So there's an expectation that your life changes when you become a believer. And one of those things that's supposed to happen is there's, a, there's fruit that begins to grow in your life that transcends this world. I was watching a, a movie, I, I can't remember uh, the name of it now, but it was a couple years ago. It's about a Roman centurion soldier, um, and it happens to coincide at the time of Christ. And so it doesn't focus a lot on, on Jesus, but, you know, it's the time frame. And so this guy's very ambitious. He's trying to, and he runs into these problems in Jerusalem. It's a re- interesting story. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but I can't. Anyway, this, in, in this story, he brings one of the disciples in. He's trying to, in, you know, intimidate this disciple. Um, and he's trying to get him to, to talk about some things that he's not going to talk about. Right? He's to to tell people where, I mean, to tell him where the people are hiding and so on and so on. And he threatens him. You know, he starts with a subtle intimidation. And then he builds it to this crescendo of, you don't know how powerful I am. Do you not understand what I can do to you? And the guy literally just starts belly laughing. It was one of the best scenes I've ever seen. It wasn't a Christian movie, so to speak. But it was one of the best scenes I've I've, I've ever experienced because it captured something of the disciple that he starts laughing because he feels sorry for the man who thinks he has all the power. And see, that's the concept of the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life. These guys had experienced something in, in Jesus that their joy could not be taken away. It didn't matter what was threatened. It didn't matter what came against them. It didn't matter not just what was threatened, but what if, whatever even happened. We're going to talk about that in a second, some of the things that they experienced and still had joy. And so it's a fruit of the Spirit. The second thing is this. Joy and happiness are not the same. This is probably... Um, common sense, again, again, but it's helpful to understand the clarity from the way Scripture and the way God talks about it, and it's this. You can't equate apples and oranges. You can't compare apples and oranges, and you can't compare joy and happiness. They don't compare because they're different things. So joy, the one major difference is joy has a source that is supernatural. So just think about that for a second. Supernatural means above nature. In other words, uh, to contrast it, happiness comes from a physical source. So happiness comes because pleasant things happen to you, right? Don't worry, be happy is like it's a state of mind. You know, um, down in Florida, you go down there, and all they play are songs about the beach and how amazing it is as if you didn't have to go to go back to work, right, at some point. <laughs> so it's like just take on this mindset, you know, just be happy all the time. It's like, man, you don't understand because when circumstances come against me, my happiness flees, right? Isn't that the, isn't that the case? So joy and, and happiness are not the same thing. Joy can lead to happiness. This is an interesting concept. Joy can lead to happiness, but happiness can't lead to joy. And the reason why is joy is a supernatural thing. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a source. It's sourced from heaven, not from earth. So it can, if you have joy, you can be happy most of the time. 
right? It can, it can literally change the way you look at life, and you can be happy even in the light of terrible circumstances. You can still have joy, even though maybe you're not so happy. So it's helpful to understand that. Hebrews 12.2 talks about Jesus enduring the, cr- uh, the, the cross and the shame and the torment, not just physical, but emotional, uh, mental, I would imagine, just everything you can think about in that scenario. And the answer to that was he endured it for the joy that was set before him. So Jesus did not want, anybody who tells you Jesus wanted to go to the cross, they're, they're lying to you. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. And you know that because in the garden he prayed, he said, Lord, three times, Father, is, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, I, I would like that, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> three times he prayed that prayer. And at the end, nevertheless, in other words, if I recognize there's no alternative, right, this, we, we, I get that. But for the joy set before me, I'm going to endure this. I will go through this unhappy scenario because on the other side of it, there's joy. And the joy, of course, was being with you, right? Jesus coming to earth was not about him declaring his glory, although that was part of it. It was about him making a way to take the thing that separated you and him out of the way so he could be with you and you could be with him. So, again, for the joy set before him, he endured something. And so you can endure, you can be unhappy and have joy. It's kind of the way I'm, uh, way I'm thinking about it. And so what's really interesting is you can have circumstances that are painful and challenging and still have joy in the midst of it. As a matter of fact, sometimes your joy can grow in those life circumstances. And that's a tough one to understand, but it, ha- it happens and I've seen it. Here's another one. Joy gives us strength. This is Nehemiah. This is a passage all of us have heard. It says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you guys have heard that, ma- that passage? Read it on Facebook this week probably, I imagine, right? <laughs> so what was happening is Nehemiah, they had, they had finished the wall. Israel had, had, had rebuilt the wall. They were standing, Ezra, the priest, was, he was proclaiming the law, reading the law to them. And the, um, the Levites were helping them understand it, kind of clarifying the law to them. And there was this tremendous sadness that fell on the people of Israel. The reason why is they realized the reason why that they had been carried away into captivity was because of their sin. They had disobeyed God, they'd, they'd, they'd fled and walked away from God in every way, and because of that, it brought consequences, consequences into their life that were utterly destructive, they were carried away to captivity, their homeland was torn down, the wall was torn down, Nehemiah gets a vision, comes back, rebuilds it, now they're, they're, they're celebrating, trying to celebrate the wall being rebuilt, but before they did that, they realized just how they'd gotten to that place, and a deep sadness fell over them, and that's when Nehemiah tells them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me read this passage. This is uh, Nehemiah 8, 9, and 10. It says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord. Do you know the word holiday is just a, uh, a derivative of holy day? <laughs> so literally a holiday, what we think of, oh, refreshing kind of thing, is a holy day. So anyway, he says, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Because, again, their circumstances are being reminded of their sin. He says this, For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So think about that juxtaposition. They're in deep sadness. And Nehemiah comes and says, This is what you need to do. You need to take joy, to recognize that this is a holy day. And, and the, the concept, it's really interesting in Proverbs, it illustrates it. 
A joyful heart is good medicine. You've heard this before. But the contrast is this. Let me read it to you. This is Proverbs 3, 7. It says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. But what happens if you don't? What happens if you miss the mark, if you live a life of disobedience, even as a believer? It says, um, it says uh, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones if you depart from evil. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And something happens in your body. There's... Um, Tons of studies about osteoporosis, depression actually leading to bones that become brittle. And other, tons of other physical things, health things that come into, into play when, you're, when you have sadness in your life. And, and the challenge of that is sadness, again, can be a circumstance because something happened. But if you have joy, it never goes below happiness. It, it, it drops to the level of joy, if that makes sense. So in other words, maybe you're happy a lot because you've got joy and joy led to happiness, but some circumstance in your life comes and it takes away your happiness, but if you know that this is a source, if you know God, if you fear God, the Old Testament version, if you fear God, respect, honor, whatever, and, and the new covenant is to walk in his ways, right? To walk in step with the Spirit is the way it works. If you do that, circumstances may take away your happiness, but it can never take away your joy, and that's helpful to know. Stuff happens, life happens, but nothing can take your joy away. So joy cannot be taken away. The only person, the only way that joy can be taken from you is you. You're the only one who can do it. God won't. The world's circumstances can't. The devil can't. He's not powerful enough to take away your joy because, again, it's sourced from somewhere. It's a fruit of the Spirit, so he can't touch that, right? So the only one who can take away your joy is you. So what does that look like? One, there's three, three ways, basically. One is focus. When you stop focusing on Christ and start focusing on your circumstances. When you take, the easiest way for me to put it is when you take your eyes off eternity. Right? Because eternal, your, your source of joy is, is, you know, it talks about being anchored in the Holy of Holies. Right? The old hymn. My anchor is held inside the Holy of Holies. In other words, where God is. And so this is the same concept, that if your focus ever comes off of who God is, remember Peter walking on the water, he takes his focus off Jesus, he begins to sink. The whole picture that God's trying to teach us, even in that supernatural event, is if you've got your eyes on the eternal, then that's where your source of joy comes from, and it can never be taken away because of that. But if you take your eyes off that and get your eyes focused on the circumstances, your happiness will leave, and if you're not focused on that, you'll begin to lose your joy. Another way is when you stop identifying with Christ and start identifying with your past. In other words, what Nehemiah was trying to tell them in that day was you need to forget about what happened. You've, you've grieved. You've repented. Today's a holy day. Forget what's, what lies behind. This is the way Paul put it, right? Forget what lies behind. I press forward to this high mark, right, this calling that God has on my life, to be connected into the eternal. And so it's important that you understand that way. This is a really interesting passage, intriguing to me. This is John chapter 16. So I'm going to read it and just make a few comments about it. A woman giving birth to a child is, has pain because her time has come. He's setting the context. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Remember Jesus said, for the joy that's set before me, I endured the, the cross. Right? For a, a woman... The joy of the child, all of the pain and the heartache, the anguish, everything that happened, all the discomfort, everything that led to that baby being born is forgotten in an instant. Why? Because the joy is ever before her, right? 
If you take your eyes off that and focus back on that, you lose it. And Jesus is talking about this. He talks about it being your identity. That's the big challenge is it becomes your identity. He says it this way. He says, so with you, this is verse 22, now is your time of grief, because Jesus is going to the cross and they're grieving. So he says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. Right? There's joy. And listen, this is powerful. And no one will take away your joy. So here's the thing. Every single one of the men he, he was talking to on that day, except one, John, every single one of them were tortured for their faith in Christ. Tortured to death, right? All of them, except John. And it wasn't because they didn't try with John. They put John in a vat of boiling oil, and he didn't die. He was supernaturally rescued and saved. And so he's telling them, he said, hey, there's, there's a time when you're going to have to endure some things. Life, we're, we're born into a broken and hurting world. We all know this. Pay attention and you'll see it, right? And the only time it doesn't happen is if we, if we stick our head in the sand and pretend like it's not there. And when that happens, listen, this is important. We're, I've talked about this before. Where tremendous brokenness in mental health comes from it, <clears throat> is, to ha- is to not understand that evil I- exists in the world. So what happens is you have this expectation that life is just going to be happy. Don't worry, be happy. You buy into this mindset, right? And then tragedy hits you broadside, takes you out, and then it leaves you reeling. And you're wondering. You're like, where did, why did, we, uh, all the questions, they just flood to the top. And the reason why that happens is because we don't have an eternal perspective. One, I heard someone say one time that the reason we have to do so much counseling in the church is because we have preached an inferior gospel. And part of the gospel is if, if it's good news, there's bad news, and there's a reason for the good news because God took away the bad news, right? And so we live in a broken world. People ask all the time, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. And I'm like, I don't understand why you don't understand. It's pretty clear in the Bible, right? Because we, there, one, God's not the only player on the stage. And he set some things in motion. We've talked about this numerous times about if, you, if we say, I don't understand why God did just make everything perfect. And I always reply, he did. Right? He literally made it perfect. That's what Genesis is all about. And if you look, there's, there's bookends. Genesis, the tree of life, right? Perfect, walking in, 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 the, in the fullness of joy with God, walking with him in the cool of the day. And at the end of that picture, you've got, uh, you've got the, the tree of life again, and it's the, the leaves are bringing healing to the nations, and you're walking with God again. And in the interim is the place where Adam sinned, and sacrifice was made, and something was put into place to take care of the sacrifice. The truth is, that was done, the Bible says, from the foundations of time it began, right? Jesus, the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of time. So why is that important? Because if you don't understand that interim, if you don't understand the place that we live in, that there is evil in the world, that the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy everybody he can, right? People like wonder where COVID came from. It came from the fall, ultimately, right? And it's designed, again, the whole thing is just to take people out. And so if you don't understand that, what will happen is you'll get, you'll get broadsided by the first tragedy that hits you in your life because in your head you're like, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be full of joy, and those two things are not the same. It's helpful to understand that. So what happens if your joy is stolen? If you've been living for a little while, your joy is going to get stolen. I remember 17 years old. I'd been dating this girl. We'd, we had just broken up. She was killed in a car accident, and I remember going to the funeral, 17 years old. First time I really had to think about death that you know, happened to someone close to me that I cared for. 
And I remember going and, and, and looking, and this girl was so full of life, and I remember going up to her, and I touched her body, which I don't know if that was a good idea or what, but I did, and, I, and, and it was cold. And I just remember thinking, that's appropriate, because <laughs> that's what my heart feels right, like right now. But I remember um, this thought came into my head, and I didn't come up with this. I know it was from the Lord. And it was, it was, this thought was, that's her body, and she's not living in it. Or that's her house, and she's not living in her house anymore. I was like, huh. That's interesting, right? And then I remember um, 17 years old through that next year. At some point, I'm lying in bed at night, and I'm, and I'm saying to God, I'll, I don't know I'm talking to God, but I'm saying to somebody, whoever's out there, talking in the air, I don't know what I was doing, but I said, if this is all there is, I don't think I want it. Right? And so I had gotten to the place where circumstance and, and my happiness had been destroyed. And I assumed that that was my identity. Turns out it's not. Right now we're, we're living in one of the worst times ever for depression, especially in, in adolescents and children. The fact that kids can get depressed is amazing to me. Right? I, I didn't, I, you know, until I was 17, nothing had happened to me that caused me to get depressed. I did not have the best of, of, of worlds. I was really, really poor. But I had all the woods to play in, right? And so in my head, look at what, I have, right? All those poor city people look at the playground I have and they don't have it. I mean, I got snakes and scorpions and all kinds of things that, you know, keep me on my toes. <laughs> but at some point, 17 was really when it happened to me. It was the first time that evil hit me full on. And again, if you don't understand that, if you don't understand this, that there is evil in the world and you don't have a worldview that incorporates that, it will take you out. And what will happen is, you'll, at some point, you'll say, I don't know that there's reason enough here for me to be alive. You'll lose your purpose, you'll lose your focus, you'll lose your identity, which is what we're talking about. And what will happen is your joy will be, you'll lose your joy. And so let me just give you a couple of things that, I got a, a, a word cloud up here that gives you some things that will steal your joy. But I'm just going to focus on a, a couple of them. One of them is regret. And that's where Paul, we were talking about this before, Philippians, he said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is hit, what is ahead, I press on towards something. In other words, there's a reason for me to be alive, even though there's brokenness in the past, I've missed it, I've been hurt, the enemy's come against me, I lived in a, I've lived in a fallen world, but I forget all that because I'm pressing towards something. He calls it something. He said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward to Christ Jesus. In other words, there's a purpose behind what it is that we're doing and we're living. And you can find joy in the purpose. No matter what situation or, or circumstance you find yourself in, you can find joy in the purpose that God has given you. But if you try to find joy in anything else, what you're really looking for is happiness, and it will not last. If you don't remember anything else, I hope you remember that. Another one is worry. This steals your joy. Jesus, you know, speaks to it, and Scripture speaks to it. Do not worry. People hear that, and it's a command, and we wonder. It's like, well, under the law, I, I, it, it's asking something of me that I cannot fulfill. So under the law, do not worry, right, is, is impossible. <laughs> but when Jesus came, it all of a sudden not just became possible, it became probable. You can live a life without worry. Why? Because you're absolutely convinced of the goodness of God in your life, and that no matter what the enemy throws at you, that God will make even what the enemy meant for harm work for good on your behalf. 
if you're called according. It's what the Bible says. It goes back to that passage with Paul. If you walk in the calling, if you're being, if your focus is heavenward, if your focus is on eternity, if your focus is on your relationship with God, happiness is, is, is not a problem for you because that comes and goes. Your joy is completely full. Another one is complaining. That's just basically not seeing the good in life, not seeing the positive. It's focusing on the negative. Being ungrateful is, is akin to that. Negative thinking, unrealistic expectations. One of the worst things you can do is put expectations, especially on people. And I don't mean just expectations, I mean unrealistic ones. I remember I, remember I had, had this challenge with a, a pastor, um, and Karen and I ended up having to leave this church. And again, we weren't perfect, but there were some obvious challenges and some things wrong, some brokenness in, in, in him, and therefore in the leadership team of the church. And I just remember I was, I was angry because of what he'd done. He, he did some terrible things, said some things about Karen and I that were unnecessary, unhelpful, and also weren't true, it just turns out. Um, but what he was doing, he was just so full of hurt and brokenness and anger, he could, not, he could not admit that the brokenness was in him. So what he did is he projected his brokenness to everybody else. And so what happened is he would, ha- he would begin a relationship and it would be great, and then eventually it was an unrealistic expectation he was placing on them, and before long they would let him down, right? The fact that someone's going to let you down is a given. <laughs> so now you have to be careful because you can lean into being a pessimist, right? And that's not helpful, so don't do that. But also don't put unrealistic expectations. And it turns out when I left, I was having some trouble with that. I'm like, I'm so angry because he's a leader. He shouldn't have done this. And I remember someone, at, someone challenged me and they said, you're expecting him to be something he can't be as long as that brokenness is, is in the forefront of his life. So he said, you're being, you're being unfair to him. And I thought that was really an interesting juxtaposition, that I was being unfair to the man who was unfair to me, right? But you find this in Scripture. You, find, you see this with, with David and King Saul. King Saul is insecure as a leader. David's rising to the place of leadership, and he chases him around, tries to put a spear through him numerous times, tries to kill him, chases him into the desert, into the mountains, all those things. And then David has opportunity, numerous opportunities, where he's close to Saul. He sneaks in at one point, and he cuts the corner of his garment off, and he goes back to his, his perch, if you will, on the cliffside, and he holds it up, and he says, I could have taken your life at any time, but I didn't. And he goes on to say in another place, he said, because that was God's anointed. Not that he was a perfect man, but it, he said, that's God's anointed, and I'm not going to touch him. If God wants to deal with that man, he'll deal with him, and it turns out he did. His consequences, the consequences of his life, and his perspective, and his focus, and his identity, and all the wrong things he was doing, brought him to tremendous failure. So unmet expectations, or unrealistic expectations, can, can rob your joy. So be careful of that. One is burnout. You see this often in ministry. You don't have, you got a pipe going out that's bigger than the pipe coming in. You, you, you drain your batteries constantly and never refill your batteries. And I don't just mean spiritually. Most of the time it's not a spiritual issue. It's an it's a, it's a emotional and mental issue, right? And so I, I joke, uh, when Beth first came to work here at DCF, um, she, would, she texted me on my day off. And if, if you know anything about Beth, she's, she loves to write really long text messages. Like, I didn't know you could write a text message that long. I thought there was a limit. Turns out there's not. And so she wrote me this long text about something that needed to be dealt with. But it wasn't urgent, um, and it was something I could deal with when I came back to, to the office. And so I just, I, and I did it on purpose. She wrote this long text, and I wrote a text back, and I said, you're bothering me. Not on my day off or nothing, just you're bothering me. And so if you know Beth, she's 
oh, I'm so sorry. And so then there was a longer text about the reason why she was so sorry and she shouldn't have done that. It's like my bad and all this stuff. And Precious was in there about eight times, I think, in the text. And I sent a reply back, you're still bothering me. <laughs> and then it went silent. And I was like, oh, I might have I done too much. You know, I'm like, and I got back and she was laughing when I came in the office. She goes, you're teaching me, aren't, aren't you? And I said, I am. Because you don't survive in ministry for 30 years if you don't really take a day off, right? And, I, and that's a struggle I have all the time. It's really, really challenging, burnout. My wife and I talk about it on a regular basis. It's something we got to keep focus on. And the reason why is it can steal your joy. And the thing that you do that you love the most, if you're not careful, it can steal your joy. Materialism is another one. We're coming close to Christmas. This is a big one. When you focus on things, especially you guys who are young, let me help you because I did this. <clears throat> Everybody does this, but I did it really badly. You think that the thing that you're, you're wanting is going to bring you happiness. I've learned. Like I get a new, a new phone about every two or three years or so, you know, whatever. Sometimes more often, but usually about, we're on a cycle. We're trying to, you know, get the most bang for our buck on our phone, right? And every time, man, I watch when the new phone comes out and they lie to me. You ever been lied to by Apple? Anybody? Just me? They lie to you and they say, if you buy, this is what there's, if you buy this phone, your whole life is going to be great. You're going to have problems. All those problems you had in relationships, they're going to go away because you can text so fast and you can work things. I mean, there's a million, and I'm like, and I know they're lying to me and I feel it and I'm drawn and I go look at it and I play with it and then something in the back of my head says, you know they're lying to you, right? You don't need to buy that. So I buy it when I need, well, that's not true. <laughs> I never need a phone. I buy it when I want it, but I go through the process of going, I want the best bang for my buck in value. Why? Because materialism says that if you have this thing or this person, if you're in a relationship with this person or if you have this car or you have this job or you have respect from people, if people think of you well, or if you have the latest video game or whatever it looks like, whatever that is for you, if you have that, you're going to be happy. And let me just be honest. I wrote this in the, in the post on Facebook. I said, um, people who say money can't buy happiness, they've never rented a sea <laughs> If you ever rent a sea you have purchased happiness for at least a half an hour. I promise you, it will make you happy. It will. But that's the problem. Money can buy you happiness. It can't buy you joy, right? But money can buy you happiness. But here's the thing. It goes away so fast. And the bigger the purchase in your head, you think, the more money I spend on something, the longer my happiness is going to last, right? Wrong. <laughs> it's actually quite the opposite. You buy a brand new car and you get in it and you go, man, I love that new car smell. And by the time you get home, you can't smell it anymore. And that's the promise of things are going to make you happy. And they sort of can, but they can't bring you joy. So be careful if you put your heart into things. And things can be relationship, the romancing the idea of a romance rather than a what a romance is actually growing together, right? You get it. I think that's probably one of the bigger ones, especially this time of year. So how do you get your joy back? I want to close with these things. How do you get your joy back? Joy is, first of all, something that God can restore. This is simple. Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This is Psalm 51. This is David. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He recognized that he'd gotten involved in some sin, and he put his hope in material things, and he just kind of went, went astray. And he realized he, he'd lost his joy. And so he asked the Lord, he said, and this is the old covenant, so it's helpful to understand that, but he said, Lord, would you restore to me the joy of your salvation? In other words, the connection that I have with you is actually what brings joy. 
So here's another thing. Joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. We covered this. If you think you're going to get joy out of anything in the natural, you are wasting your time and you're setting yourself up for tremendous failure. So recognize that joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. And so here's what's helpful about that. If, you're not, if you are a believer and you are not experiencing joy, if joy is produced by the Holy Spirit, there may be something going on in your life that is blocking joy. And if that's true, then probably it has something to do with blocking the Holy Spirit, right? So a good thing to do is just simply ask, um, Lord, help me identify what's keeping the joy because the joy is a fruit of the Spirit and it's not growing in me. Matter of fact, maybe it's been completely taken away or it seems like. So recognize that the Lord longs to give it back to you. That's his heart and his passion is to give you joy. It's the whole reason he sent his son. We're going to talk about that in the end. But that's the point is joy, right, is yours. But if you're losing it if, or lost it and you're looking for it in somewhere else and it's not happening, maybe ask the Lord, what's blocking the move of the Holy Spirit in my life? Joy is found in God's presence. This is a given. Psalm 1611, we know this one. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Make a determined effort to spend time with the Lord. I find this fascinating about Christians, that they, they expect, it's almost like, well, I'm, I'm married, but, but I don't have a relationship with my wife, right? How can you be married and not have a relationship? It happens all the time, and it's easy to happen. Again, something Karen and I discuss on a regular basis, right? Because you can be married and living in the same house and drift apart. One of the things you, ha- you see this happen all the time with people who've been married for 20-something years, um, especially the wife. Sometimes the, 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 the husband has given himself to his career. Maybe the wife has too, or she's given herself to the kids, or vice versa, whatever. And then the kids go off to college. They're out of the house, empty nesters. And all of a sudden, they don't even know who, who each other, you know, sitting across from the breakfast table going, who are you, right? So, so that's the, this concept is if you're not careful you're not spending enough time, you're not actually spending time enjoying the presence of that person, your joy is going to dissipate. You're going to lose it. So spend time with God. Make a concerted effort. Be intentional about time spent with the Lord. It doesn't take eight hours. You can, I promise you, you can, you can, if you get good at it, you can be in the presence of God in just a few minutes. And then another one is delight in God's Word. Psalm 119, your statutes are my heritage. This is Old Covenant again. But your statutes or your Word... It's my inheritance is what this passage is saying. Forever. They're the joy of my heart. Your word is the joy of my heart. Why? Because his word is talking about things that pertain to him. And he is our joy. Here's, here's another one right before I close. Remember the good things that God has done, especially through people he's placed in our lives. I, I love to think. I remember when we came here from Atlanta. We had an amazing church. We came here to Dothan. And I remember thinking, Lord, you would not lead me somewhere that would take away my joy. So maybe there's some growth that has to happen in the new church. We're going growing relationships and connecting and all those things. But I promise you, I have relationships here at DCF that are as deep as any relationship I've developed in my entire lifetime. And it brings me great joy. Just think, sometimes I'm just thinking about sitting with someone having coffee or laughing with somebody or, or you know, elders meetings. We've, I mean, just t- so many things where we've laughed so hard we thought we were going to pass out because we enjoy, literally enjoy one another. Philippians 1, 3, this is Paul. He said, I thank my God for you every time I think of you. And every time I pray for you all, I pray with joy. Isn't that cool? Like he's praying for them. He's, he's thinking about them and maybe their needs and what they're going through. And he says, I can't help but smile when I pray for you because I love you so much. 
I pray with joy because of the way in which you've helped me, the connection, the, the camaraderie, and the work of the gospel from the very first day until now. So refuse to focus on people who bring unkind words and hurts. Just, just don't do it. One of the things I watch, I don't know if you ever watched this, but um, I just watched this the other day with somebody I follow on YouTube. They read their mean tweets. You ever see that? Like you did, they do it on different, different shows. You know why they do that? Because if they focus on it and they laugh at it. Because if you are in the public arena like that, it doesn't take long to die by a thousand paper cuts. And in your life, the things that people have said, the, if you're a server and people are rude to you during the day, if, if, if you're a nurse, right, Lori? <laughs> I mean, it, honestly, it doesn't matter in your career. If you work with people at all, they're going to they're gonna treat you. Some of them are just going to treat you bad. And if you let that sink in, it will begin to tell you something about yourself that's not true. So it's a good idea to keep your joy from being stolen, to think about the people that you love life with and th- that are for you, that love you enough to challenge you, not just enable you and let you get away with murder, right? So for you young people, that's your parents. In case you were wondering, right? So this is what I, I want to finish with. Joy comes when we trust the Lord. This is the last one. Joy comes when we trust the Lord. This is Psalm 40, um, verse 4. It says, oh, the joys. This is a New Living Translation. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord. Small little part of a psalm, right? But it's powerful. And the reason why is 2,000 years ago, joy was born into the earth, Right? And so when Jesus came, he, he didn't just separate time, right, before Christ, after. He didn't just separate time. He did something. When he came and he died on the cross, he created he, everything that was in the way that stood between you and God. He pushed it aside. You have to decide, though, whether you believe that or not. And if you don't believe that, the best you'll ever hope for in this life is momentary happiness. It's the best ever hope for. You know one reason why I know that's true? You ever, you ever watch the people who were born into wealth, who didn't have to earn it themselves, and their parents, for whatever reason, did not teach them good character or good work ethic or any of those things? They are some of the most miserable people you, that you can, you can ever meet. And part of the reason why is they, they think that everything they have is supposed to provide them joy, but all it ever did was provide them happiness, and like that new car smell, it went away very quickly. And so they find themselves having to push the envelope on a regular basis, doing things they totally ought not do, to try to find something meaningful in their life that will bring them joy. And it never does. Because nothing in this world can bring you joy. Only Jesus can do that. Because he is our joy. Not he gives you joy. That's true too. But that's not the focus. The focus is he is our joy. And if you don't trust in the Lord, if you don't trust God, if you haven't placed your trust in the fact that Jesus said, I've taken away all your sin, I've provided a relationship with you, with the Father, there's nothing in the way you can come boldly into the throne room of of God for help in time of need, right? If you don't trust in the Lord, you of all people will be miserable. You'll be miserable. Because everything you trust in will eventually let you down. The Lord is the only one who never will. Because he's eternal. So this Christmas season, there's a lot of things that want to take your joy away. But it's the season. Part of the season is the whole world focuses on Jesus, right? They don't even know it. It's like Merry Christmas. It's like, you know, why, why do you think people, you know, PC people are trying to take that away? Because 
It's got the word Christ in it, right? And everything is, the, is preaching the gospel. The good news is coming from every direction. The songs on the radio, people smiling at each other, people willing to sacrifice and give, you know, to the guy ringing the bell. I mean, it's, it's like, I'm just going to put in my change, you know, and then you feel really generous and put in a bill or two, and you're like, oh, I feel good. I don't know why I feel good. I gave away my money. Because <laughs> there's something powerful about that. It's eternal. So why don't you stand with me? As we just wrap this, this season up, you know, it's going to be over. Christmas comes and goes quick this year for some reason. Next week is our last Sunday before Christmas. And I know um, there's an um, inoculation potentially coming soon against the COVID virus, and I know everybody's thankful for that. Um, this potentially ends the season of COVID, as it will. I don't, we don't know. It's the, you know. The jury's still out on that. <laughs> so don't get your hopes up too much too soon. Um, and ultimately, if you're putting your hope in that, that's going to disappoint you too because there's probably another, another bat with some other disease and, you know, sometime in the future is going to try to kill us all because we live in a broken world. Uh, that sounds very Christmassy, Dave. Thanks for that. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you put your hope in that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that makes me happy thinking about I don't have to wear a mask anywhere, anymore and maybe we can get back to normal. You know, and I'm preaching to more than 10 people on a Sunday morning. You know, I mean, I know there's more online, but I can't see them, right? That's the problem. Maybe we could big screen back there in the back when we do a Zoom call. I don't know. But, but at some point, all this stuff is just going to dissipate. And, and if you don't have that thing inside of you, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, if you've not trusted fully in the Lord, the best you can ever hope for is to be happy for a reasonable amount of time, but you never have joy. But if you have trusted Jesus and something's stolen your joy, God wants to give you your joy back. There is no greater than God. And His heart and His passion, according to the gospel, is to help you, to be with you, to walk, as the Genesis says, in the cool of the day with you, to not condemn you and to beat you up. That's what the enemy does, the world does, not what Jesus does. He wants to lift you up. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you joy. He wants to make this life, even in the midst of the fall and the brokenness and everything has happened, he wants to give you great joy because that's what happened. The Bible says that the, all the um, shepherds were in the fields and these angels came and said, hey, I bring you good tidings, right? Great joy, and Karen read it, for all the people. It's available to all of us. You just have to take it. Jesus, we thank you for the joy that you bring. God, it's so much deeper and so much bigger than, than the thing we call happiness. Help us understand that. And God, help us if we've lost it more than anything, Lord, to see that restored, see the joy of our salvation restored in us. And Lord, it brings, it, it actually does make me happy. Joy leads to happiness. And so, Lord, I like being happy. I don't like being unhappy. But, Lord, I know the source is you. And so I place my trust in you and I say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, Pastor Dave, for um, the message on joy. If you are in-house and you would like prayer, maybe it's been a season where you feel like, dang, my joy has just been robbed. And you would like to be prayed for. We want to pray for you. And um, because it is a promise, I love that the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And joy is a third of what your inheritance is. And so we want to be able to pray for you that in this season and going forward into the new year, that joy becomes an overflow from an internal um, I don't know what to call it, from an internal compass, from the internal helper of the Holy Spirit. And so if you would like to have prayer this morning, whether it be that or for anything else, whether it's encouragement, we'd love to pray for you. 
If you're watching online, you can contact us on our website, and um, someone from our ministry team will be in touch to pray for you. And it can be for anything. It can be that if you're trusting for breakthrough. I know this week we've had um, many people, and we continue to pray for Beth for just supernatural, miraculous healing moving forward and being fully restored. And um, so we come together and we stand together as a body, and we love each other deeply from the heart. And so if you would like prayer this morning, we'd love to pray for you. Thanks so much, and we hope you guys have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you in-house, in-person, and online next week for our Christmas service. We love you guys.